This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to this week's episode, which is episode 209, entitled, Eating Jesus' Misunderstood Flesh in John Chapter 6. Yes, we are continuing to look at the theme of misunderstanding that is pervasive in the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John. We began looking at this theme in episode 204, and we have quite a few more occurrences for us to look at in our subsequent episodes. Now, if you don't remember, the theme of misunderstanding in the Gospel of John is a three-step process, and it sounds something like this. Step number one, Jesus is going to make an ambiguous statement. Step number two, the dialogue partner misunderstands what Jesus just said, either by interpreting it literally or by asking an inappropriate question. And the third step is that either Jesus or the narrator explains the original statement, although sometimes the explanation is missing but clearly implied. So in this week's episode, we're going to continue our study of John chapter 6, specifically where Jesus has claimed to be the true bread of life that has come down out of heaven. In this week's occurrence, the grumbling Jews misunderstand Jesus' claims by taking them literally. So what was it that Jesus said that was misunderstood by the Jews? How were his words deemed offensive? And do the clarifying remarks offer any clues in regard to Jesus' humanity, his relationship with believers, and his relationship with the only true God, the Father? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is Jesus' claim to be the bread of life. We will start in John chapter 6 and verse 51. Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also, which I will give for the life of the world, is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is 
true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. That's John chapter 6, verses 51 through 57. So as we look at this passage, we can see that it continues the conversation that we observed last week. But instead of the misunderstanding occurring at the hands of the neutral crowds, this particular example has the Jews misunderstanding. Now the phrase, the Jews, within the Gospel of John, are a select group of characters in the narrative that are unconvinced of Jesus' claims to Messiahship. And they persist in their unbelief, no matter what Jesus performs as a miracle or what he says as God's spokesman. So the phrase, the Jews, in the Gospel of John is not a neutral term. It is a term referring to those who are not convinced of what Jesus says and does. So let's look a little bit more closely at the misunderstanding that took place. This is our second point, examining the theme of misunderstanding in John chapter 6. So if you recall, the order of the theme of misunderstanding begins with Jesus making an ambiguous statement. We can see that very clearly in chapter 6, verse 51. Jesus says, I am the living bread that has come down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. So this is the ambiguous statement that Jesus makes. And in this statement, Jesus continues to stress that he and he alone is the living bread. Now what gets added here in comparison to last week's occurrence is that Jesus says that it is his own flesh that he offers for the life of the world. And those who eat of this bread, namely his flesh, will live forever. And if you look a little bit more closely in the Greek, the phrase will live forever literally says into the age. They will live into the age. They will live forever. And of course that age is the age to come. Now the misunderstanding happens at the second point, which is where the conversation partner, here it's going to be the Jews, misunderstand Jesus either by interpreting it literally or asking an appropriate question. We can see this in verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Clearly they are interpreting Jesus' words literally, to the point of absurdity. So the confusion arises with the claim to eat Jesus' flesh, and the Jews who characteristically disbelieve what Jesus says and are unconvinced, are going to interpret him literally. And 
you can kind of put yourself in their shoes and you can see why this would sound very strange. In fact, cannibalism would be very offensive to Jewish people. So you can take the time here to really stress what Jesus did not say. Clearly, we should not be eating Jesus' flesh literally, but we also need to look at what Jesus did in fact mean, not just stop and say what he didn't mean. And so this moves us to the third part of the theme of misunderstanding, which is that either Jesus or the narrator explains the statement. We can see this in a couple of verses. So I'll start in verse 53. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. And then he continues in verse 56 with his clarification. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And so the clarification involves feasting language. And we're not just feasting on the flesh, which has interpreted what Jesus means by the true bread of life. Jesus here adds they were also to feast on the blood. And in doing so, Jesus gives a designation to identify himself. He says it is the flesh of the Son of Man, and it is his blood, namely the blood of the Son of Man. So now we actually have a Christological title and self-designation. We can also see in verse 56 this mutually abiding language. The one who feasts on Jesus' flesh and blood abides in him, and Jesus is going to abide in the one feasting. And so clearly the notions of flesh and blood and eating and feasting and mutually abiding is going to bring to mind those who are familiar with the sacraments, the overtones of the Eucharist. That is, the Lord's Supper clearly is evoked in this particular passage, and it indicates that the sacramental practice of communing and fellowshipping with Jesus is what was intended. So the misunderstanding took place when Jesus talked about eating his flesh. It is incorrect to assume that that is a literal reference that was intended. And Jesus intended to evoke notions of the Lord's Supper, of the Eucharist, where there is a feasting, not only of the flesh, but also of the blood clearly looking at the Lord's Supper and the sacraments involved with that. So let's move to our third and final point of this episode, which is the Christological implications to feasting on the flesh and blood. And Jesus says a lot in his clarification here that is noteworthy in regard to his own self-understanding and the Christology that is taught. When we, as informed readers, correctly understand Jesus as opposed to misunderstand him. First point I want to look at 
in regard to the implications, is the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man? The Son of Man is the authorized human being who is the recipient of the blessings offered by the Ancient of Days. In Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, the Ancient of Days gives to the Son of Man God's dominion, God's glory, and God's kingship. So the Son of Man is an authorized human being and a highly empowered human being. It would be incorrect to say that the Son of Man is just a mere man or a mere mortal or a simple created being. No, no, no. The Son of Man is a highly empowered human being who has been authorized by the only true God. So the Son of Man here is clearly a very important individual, but he is a human being. He is a member of the human race. I also want to talk about the bread of life that comes down out of heaven, which is Jesus' flesh. And we have the two images here, which interpreters find difficulty wrapping their minds around because they seem to contradict. How is it that Jesus can say that he has come down out of heaven as flesh? How can flesh physically descend down from the clouds, from the sky? Both can't literally be true at the same time. A fleshly human being did not drop down from the heavens, at least not in a literal way. And typically, interpreters will focus on one of these two images, either the coming down out of heaven or the fact that Jesus is flesh. And by focusing on one, they tend to explain away the other or relegate the other. Now, I want to do the best that I can to really try to situate both of these images in light of the sort of person that the Gospel of John has portrayed of Jesus. And in doing so, take both of them seriously and not choose one and ignore the other. And so this is my best stab at that. And I think that if we take seriously the clues that were already offered in the prologue of the Gospel of John, specifically that the personified Word of God, the personified Logos, came down out of heaven and became flesh. It became embodied in the human Jesus. As we see in John 1.14, the Word became flesh. The personified Word became flesh. Then it would seem that Jesus, as a fleshly human being, is able to speak about the personified word that has come down out of heaven. And Jesus, and I think this is really important, Jesus is able to see his own human ministry as a continuation of that personified word's trajectory. Jesus can look back and say, that he has come down out of heaven, but what he means by that is that he is the embodiment of God's personified word that has come down out of heaven, even though that personified word was not a conscious being. And of course, that word became flesh. So there is a sense in which you can say that the flesh has come down out of heaven. 
And I think that's what Jesus means here. And I think that's quite possible in light of the significance of the symbolism in the fourth gospel. So moving on from that, let's take some time to talk about the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, and specifically communing with Jesus, specifically as the human Son of Man. This feasting language that we've seen here, which has specifically been given as a response to the misunderstanding, clearly is Eucharistic. It deals with the subject of the Lord's Supper. And by communing with Jesus, the text strongly emphasizes that it is communing with the human Jesus. It is communing with the Son of Man. You are identifying Jesus as this Son of Man, as this authorized and empowered human being who is distinct from the Ancient of Days. Jesus is distinct from the only true God. And so the original readers of the Gospel of John, and of course the ideal readers today, were to seek to fellowship and commune with Jesus as the Son of Man, as this authorized member of the human race. And so I think that this passage indicates that correct Christological understanding is foundational and at the heart of the Eucharist. And so I encourage those of you that celebrate the sacraments to ponder upon this particular passage and perhaps teach on this passage because it indicates that the person with whom believers are supposed to commune and fellowship as they partake of the symbolic Eucharistic meal is specifically a human being, the Son of Man. Christology matters when it comes to sacraments. Let's also look at the flesh of the Son of Man that is salvific and its ability to impart eternal life. That's something that's very interesting. Jesus says that it is his flesh as the Son of Man that gives life to the world and a very specific type of life. It is eternal life. And this is really important because some people have objected to biblical Unitarian claims because they have said that a human being cannot take away sins. A human being cannot be a savior. A human being cannot redeem because he's just a mortal. He's just a mere man. But Jesus here says something different. Jesus indicates that it is the flesh of the Son of Man that gives life, and specifically the life of the age to come, eternal life. It is this flesh of the Son of Man that, in fact, is salvific. It is the human Jesus who is offered unto the world. It is the human Jesus who brings salvation. It is the human Jesus who, by his own words, is able to save and offer the life of the age to come. And lastly, I want to look at the importance of verse 57 and the relationship that Jesus has with the Father in this passage. So in verse 57, Jesus says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me 
he also will live because of me. And it's this phrase where Jesus says, I live because of the Father, which is very, very interesting when you look at it in the Greek text. Jesus lives because of the Father. And the preposition here is a via plus the accusative, which means on account of. Jesus lives on account of the Father. Jesus owes his own life to the Father. That's very fascinating. It's very interesting. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is not claiming to be co-eternal. He's not claiming to be eternal in any sense of the meaning of that word. Jesus' life occurred because the Father gave it to Jesus. And this means that Jesus was created. Jesus was brought into existence. And Jesus says this himself. And so unlike the Jews who don't believe Jesus, we should believe what Jesus says when he lives on account of the Father. He lives because of the Father. The Father gives Jesus life. The Father has created Jesus naturally because fathers bring into existence their own sons. And so there are quite a lot of crucially important Christological implications when we look at the theme of misunderstanding here in John chapter 6. Jesus claiming to be the Son of Man, the Eucharistic overtones of abiding in Jesus specifically as a human being, and Jesus' self-claim to have life that was given to him by the Father. That's how Jesus is able to offer life to the world, because the Father gave the life to Jesus first. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please consider joining us next week, as we're going to look at yet another instance of the theme of misunderstanding in John chapter 7, where Jesus is going to claim to go somewhere that the disciples are unaware of. So please look forward to our next episode. Now, if you enjoy this episode, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. You can offer a donation at the PayPal link that is associated with this particular episode. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, you folks, please take care.